Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. I want to just congratulate the West Milford campus for all they've done. Pastor Andrew and Jillian and their team have done such an amazing job. Let's give them a hand. I felt like, um, I felt like a proud papa coming here today. And Lindsay and the team, Lindsay, you are killing it. You have grown so much. Your team has grown so much. And I really believe that today is just a day of celebration. And it is really in a line with what we are going to talk about this morning. So let me ask you a, a real question. How many people need to hear a word from God this morning? How many people? Anyone? How many, how many people are here just to get out of their house? Anyone just here to get out of their house? Okay, right? Nairi just raised her hand. Everyone else is here because God wants to do something big, right? So I'm going to come strong because I only know one speed, and that's 10. Zero to 10, I go every single time. And so I really want to believe that God is up to something big today. Amen? And I want one thing that I love, I know you're wearing masks, but if you hear something that God is saying and you want to jump in, Give an amen, give an oh yeah, give a yes, whatever you're feeling. Um, and so we are excited to be here. So I want to show you a picture of something right now. What is that? It's a snowblower. Now, living in the Northeast and living in New Jersey, we know at some point we are going to get snow. Now, the truth is, Mawa and West Milford, even though we're part of New Jersey, you guys get a little more snow up here, right? And if you start going up towards Hewitt, you get even more snow than down by the lake. But what we know is that every year, it is going to snow. And every year, I know that we are going to get at least three major snowstorms. One in December, one probably in like January, February, and then we're going to get really hit in what month? March. Every March it is clockwork. It's usually, and watch this, write this on your calendar. It's usually the first week in March where we get slammed by snow. Now, for any of you who have heard me preach before, I have shared one of my greatest faults of a man. I am one of the most unhandy husbands on the face of the earth. Sue, do I get an amen? Amen. amen. <laughs> any men out there that feel the same way? Okay, so my son-in-law's in the front row, and he's really trying hard to get handy. So every single Christmas gift that he was asking for were mostly tools because he doesn't want to be like me in that area. But there is one tool that I love more than any other tool that I have in my garage, and it's my snowblower. I love my snowblower. I love snow. I have loved snow when I was little. I loved snow in high school because I knew that we would get a snow day and not have to go to school. Now with COVID, is there even something called a snow day anymore? Very rarely. But I loved snow. I loved snow in college. I loved snow when my kids were little. When my kids were little, we used to take my dog Scooby-Doo and we would, we would harness a sled onto him and he would just pull our little kids all over the yard. It was one of the greatest days of the year. And also, I love snow because I love to use my snowblower. I feel very manly when it snows. 
And so when I think about the snowblower, I really think about what I'm going to talk about today. That snowblower was built for purpose. And that snowblower was built to do what? Throw snow. It was created to clear off snow from a driveway or a path. Now, that snowblower has amazing power. It's self-propelled. It has six speeds. It even has reverse. That's a beautiful day. Just put it in reverse and it backs right up for you. But that snowblower will not work without one thing, gasoline. It sits in my garage all year long until November. And then when November comes, I make sure it's tuned up, I make sure it's ready to go, and I make sure I have a big container of gas. And in November, I make sure the first week in November, after I just cleared off all the final leaves for the last time, that I fill my snowblower with gas, and I give it a start. And I let it run for about five minutes. I do a quick little drive around it in the, in the driveway, get it moving around, and then I put it right in its spot. And if you see in my garage, it is right there, ready to go. But here's what we're going to talk about this morning. Just as gasoline is to a snowblower, so is the Holy Spirit to the life of a Christian. Just as gasoline is to a snowblower, so is the Holy Spirit to a Christian. Today is day 15 of our 40 days of prayer and fasting. For the last two weeks, our church has been partnering with other Christian and Missionary Alliance churches all throughout the United States to pray for wisdom from God. And our church is not only praying, but we have challenged our church, we have challenged you to pick one day during these 40 days to pray and fast. And every single Sunday, what we are doing from, from the platform is we are charging you with a direction for how you are to pray this week. We have devotions for adults. We have devotions for youth. We have adult, uh, devotions for kids. And so this week, our primary focus is Holy Spirit empowerment. And remember this. And we're going to conclude with this. Just as gasoline is to a snowblower, so the Holy Spirit is to the life of a Christian. Let's pray. And my prayer is for us today that we would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to step into 2021 like we've never stepped into a year before. Because now more than ever, as we see everything going on in this world, whether it be with, with the pandemic, whether it be politically, whether it be socially, no matter what it is, the church, come on, someone give me an amen for this. The church needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to give direction to those who are followers of Christ. Because when they are given direction and they are living in that direction, you know what people will do? People will flock to you because they see the light and the empowerment that lives in you through the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about today. Let's pray.
Holy Spirit, I ask you for a special, beautiful morning. Lord, we know that there is so much confusion and chaos. God, it's like the disciples on the boat in the middle of the storm. And we feel like, God, you are asleep, but yet you are present and you are awake and you want to speak to our storms. I ask you today, like no other Sunday in the history of the plant, that we would grasp a teaching on the Holy Spirit that should be so simple that it's profound. Jesus, you never complicated the Holy Spirit. You never complicated God's word. You you simplified it for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Jesus says, before he goes to heaven, he says, and you will receive power from the Holy Spirit, and it will come upon you. It will come within you. It will live in you. It will dwell in you. It will be power that you are given, not in yourself, but by the same presence that lived in Jesus will live in you. That word power is called dunamis. Everybody say it with me, dunamis. We're going to have a little fun this morning. Dunamis. Hey, band, say dunamis. Dunamis, right? A little louder. Good job. Dunamis is used 120 times in the New Testament. Every time you see the, the word power and Holy Spirit, dunamis goes alongside it. Dunamis means two different things in our English root. It means dynamite or dynamic. So when you think about the word dynamite, what does dynamite do? Explodes. What does it mean when something's dynamic? It's loud. It's present. But when you look at this word dunamis, there are four different definitions that we get from the Greek word. First, Dunamis is used as an act of power, a miraculous power, a miraculous ability. And we see this all throughout the Gospels, and we see this all throughout Acts. And I just threw some examples in in Matthew chapter 7, 11, 23, all throughout the book of Mark, through Luke and the book of Acts. We hear of those miraculous stories, these power encounters. We, it's a word given for miracles, power encounters. The second word is used as moral power or excellence of the soul. The ability to live righteously with God and with others. You see, that's what we see in the cross is that we are to live in a righteous, right relationship with God and with others. Whether that be at home with my wife and my children or or in my vocation or out in the world or in the midst of a pandemic or in the midst of everything that's going on, God has empowered us to have moral power and excellence where people say, I want to handle things like they do. I may get angry, but I don't want to be rageful. 
The third definition is capability to do anything. Not merely power capable of action, but more importantly, and this is one of my favorite definitions of it, power in action. And then the fourth way that this Greek word is used is inherent power. Power residing in by virtue of its nature. Power residing in by virtue of its nature. And it's interesting when you look at these definitions, and we're, and we're going to get to this in a little bit, but the fourth definition actually defines all the other ones. Inherent power. Power from within, something that we are given because of who we are. But when we look at the Holy Spirit, we see it all throughout Scripture, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in the early church, and we should be seeing it today more than ever. But here's what's interesting about the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God empowered certain people for this, for a particular purpose, for a particular task, and for a particular time. For a particular purpose, for a particular task, at a particular time. Not everyone was granted the Holy Spirit. What we see in Scripture was that there were certain people given the, given the Holy Spirit to accomplish certain things, and then the Holy Spirit would leave. And the Holy Spirit would come upon, and the Holy Spirit would leave. And the Holy Spirit would come upon, and the Holy Spirit would leave. I want to give you some examples. Exodus 31, Belzalel. Any contractors in here? Any contractors in here? Okay, a few people. Any, anyone handy with their, anyone like handiwork? Anyone like working with tools? Okay, so a lot of you men are like me, right? Not handy at all. But Belzalel was two things. He was a contractor and he was an artist. Any artists in the room? Any musicians in the room? And so Belzalel was already given a, a natural gift of God of being good with his hands, having an eye for craft. But when God called Bezalel to build the temple of God, it says that the Holy Spirit empowered him to take his gifts and his natural talents to a whole nother level. Anyone want some of that? You're thank you, thank you, that was good to hear. Taking your natural gifts and talents to a whole nother level. What about this? Gideon, he was a commander. He was called to lead an army. And so God would fall on him at certain times for certain events. And God, we see, he, he showed his power when, when he whittled Gideon's soldiers down to 300 and he overcame armies that were so much more grander. God said, you're a good commander, but I want to make you better. How many of us want to be better? How many of us want to be better than who we've been? What about Solomon? Solomon was a prophet. How many of us want that when our pastors show up, Pastor Andrew or when Pastor Jeremy or when Pastor Rob preached, like, like they're bringing a word from the Lord. When you sit down and they give you counsel or wisdom, how many of you want them to say, hey, I really don't want any more earthly advice. I can go on TV for that. And most of it's wrong. Amen? That should have been a loud amen. But I want my pastors 
to be able to be filled with the Spirit, to be present when they speak to me. What about Deborah, a prophetess, a judge, a military leader? One thing that we forget about Deborah was she was given multiple roles in which the Holy Spirit fell on her multiple times to do what no man was willing to do at that moment. Women, you have a place in the kingdom of God. Thank you. Women, you have a place in the kingdom of God, and we not only see it in the New Testament, we see it in the Old Testament. And then Samson. We oftentimes think of him as a warrior, but he was also a judge. I actually just finished reading the Samson narrative this week in my own personal devotions, and it was so interesting. Every time Samson had to go to battle, it said, and the Spirit came upon him. And then, and then Samson had to lead the people, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And then he had to, when he, when he sinned and, and fell away from God, and he had that one last moment where he was standing at the palace, and he was going to push the walls over, and it says, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. In the Old Testament, what we see is men and women who have the ability to know God and to love God, but they never were granted the freedom to live in the inherent power of God. They just didn't wake up and the Holy Spirit was upon them. It was for moments that they had to be ready for Attentive to. And it says here in Romans 8, 3 through 4, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. These were men and women of God. These were God-fearing individuals. But they lived under the law of God, the law of Moses, They studied the Pentateuch, the first five books of Scripture, and that was their law that they lived into. But they were never granted the Spirit of God. And so we only see moments of the Holy Spirit showing up. We see when there was a reason and a purpose. But it wasn't like Adam and Eve who lived in the garden freely where they were with the Spirit of God all the time. And it's not supposed to be, it wasn't like it's supposed to be now that that the Holy Spirit wants to fill us and indwell us all the time. But this was the prophecy to how we are supposed to live today. Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. This is the declaration that the Messiah would come, that the Savior would come, and he would break the chains of the enemy. He would break the chains of the power of sin and death. And so the power of Jesus came to break the power of sin and death through, through his dunamis, which is the Holy Spirit. The power of Jesus was the Holy Spirit 
Do we realize that we do not separate Jesus and the power of Jesus from Jesus' power and the power of the Holy Spirit? And how do we see this? We see this all throughout the gospel narratives. Let me walk through them quickly. Jesus was born into power. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Jesus was born, conceived in the Holy Spirit. Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Luke 3, 22. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him. Jesus functioned in the power of the Holy Spirit. His teachings, his actions, his presence. When people heard Jesus teach, they said, wow, he teaches with one with authority and and power. When Jesus healed, it was because his power was released. And we see with the woman who was bleeding for 18 years that all she said is, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, not even touching his skin, but but, but the, the cloth that rested upon his skin, if I could just touch the hem of his garments. And the power was released in his presence. Have you ever been with someone who is so filled with God that the presence of the Holy Spirit just pours out from them? There are certain individuals in my life, and it is, it is less than a handful, that when I am in crisis, I call them. Because I know they woke up in Jesus. I know they went to bed in Jesus. And because they are so filled with the Holy Spirit that they even went to sleep with the Holy Spirit. The presence of Jesus was released. Jesus delegated his power, his dunamis, to his disciples. We see it early on in Luke chapter 9. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power, dunamis, and authority to cast out demons and heal all diseases. He gathered them all together. And and just think about this. Hey, West Milford Church, this week the person you're sitting next to, God is calling you to go out. Heal the sick. Everyone's going to start ducking. Release those who are demonized. And be Jesus' presence. And they're like, huh? Us? Right? They probably kind of like started hiding behind each other, right? Right? They started hiding behind each other. But they, when they went out, they came back so excited. And they shared, they shared all the miraculous acts that they did together. And I just picture Jesus just with a smile on his face saying, I told you, the same power that lives in me, I'm going to give it to you. I've granted it to you right now, but I'm about to give it to you. And that's what he did. He told them the whole journey long that you will have the same power that lives in me will live in you. Jesus even says you will do even greater things than I. Greater things than I. He delegated it. But the dunamis of God was what raised Jesus from the dead. But here's what Paul says in Romans 8, 11. The Spirit of God 
who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Say this. The Spirit of God lives in me. Say it again. The Spirit of God lives in me. Pedro, say that nice and loud for us. The Spirit of God lives in me. Lives in me. Lives in me. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. The power of Christ lives in us. And right now, what we see in our world, we do not see the church standing up. We see the church acting like a bunch of Americans that have missed the calling that God has put on them. I'm serious. When you watch Facebook, when you see what's going on in the news, are we the church doing what God has called us to do? The primary work of God's people is this. Pray. And as you pray, you step into conversations. You step into circumstances. And you speak to the power of God. You speak to what's going on in this world. You speak to how God wants to show up. But we are so independent that we have missed out on God revealing himself even in the midst of this pandemic. And for some of you, you might not like that I say that. But if I've wept over anything during this pandemic, that's what I've wept over. Oh, church, rise. Not with broken wings. But, oh, church, rise. With wings like an eagle. Soar. Run. Walk. Be present. In the midst of all of this chaos, and in every sense of the word, on both party lines, we have the opportunity to be the presence of God. And yet we are so terrified to lose something. When Jesus said this, you must lose yourself to gain yourself. And if I've wept over anything, that's what I've wept on during this pandemic. Plant family. The only reason West Milford got started was because you had people that were praying for, for 10 years that this would happen. And it's happened. Plant family. We had this amazing, amazing launch. How many of you were at that launch? That, that launch month was amazing. And people called us up and said, hey, are you going to stop doing it now? Church is not about Sunday mornings. We gather to scatter. We gather to be encouraged, built up, taught, be in the presence of God, be in community with one another so we can be sent into this broken world. We gather to scatter. And when I mean scatter, we don't go scatter by hiding in the woods, but, but we partner together to know Christ and make him known. Plant family. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you.
That's how we live. Let me just run through some of the things to just back up what I'm saying. No longer do we have to be controlled by outward forces or circumstances that are contrary to the will of God. Romans 8, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You know how I know that Jesus lives in me? Because I am not who I used to be. All my habits, all my addictions, all of those have been laid at the cross, and God has redeemed them. Do I still struggle? Do I still battle? Of course I do. I'm human. But no longer do those things have control or power over me. And that's the spirit of God that that longs to live in us. I know some of the people in this room where I see the power of Jesus living in them because how the power of God has conquered those things that were contrary to the will of God that used to control them no longer control them anymore. And if you're one of them, say amen. Amen. Two, the power of God, the dunamis of the Holy Spirit, gives us a confidence to overcome fears. We are empowered to do anything God asks of us. 1 Timothy 7, for God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power and of love and of a good mind. Yes, these are scary times. There are scary times in in our health world. There are scary times globally. There are scary times politically. There are scary times socially. There are things that we have had to think about that we thought we would never think about at this stage of the game in American history. Whether that be all the racial injustice or what happened at the Capitol last week. All of it. All of it. We never thought we would see these days. We've seen them on movies. We've seen them on movies, and and some of us like those movies. But never once did we think we would live in them. But here's what we have, church. We do not live in a spirit that is filled with fear. So we can step into every circumstance, every conversation, that we do not have to be silent. You should not be silent with the hope that you profess. You know what? You're right. This world has gone wrong. But every time the world has gone wrong, God does something big. I tell that to people all the time. You're right. I agree. The world has gone wrong. But every time the world has gone wrong throughout the history of his creation, God does something big. Is it possible that God is setting us up for revival? One of my biggest prayers is, I do not want to die until revival comes. I want to see revival. I want to be a part of it. I want to be a little speck in the revival movement. Three, the Spirit of God allows us to live right, pure, above reproach, have moral excellence. 2 Peter 1.3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for godly living. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. People of God, we should not be the people that are cheating. We should not be the people that are kind of like getting around things. We should not be the ones that are kind of just getting by and and making up excuses. People of God, we should not be the ones that are cheating on our taxes. People of God, we should be the most honest people in the room. Why? Because we have a defender who has our back. That's the only reason why. 
Because in our sinfulness, we want to lie. Amen? Give me an amen. In our sinfulness, we want to lie. Give me an amen. You want to cheat. You don't want to pay your taxes. You don't want to do all those things. But because I have a defender and a good shepherd and a king who sits on the throne, who owns all the cattle on a thousand hills, I can live a good, moral, excellent life. And it's hard. It's hard. The power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the dunamis of God given to us to do the supernatural, to heal and deliver from the power of evil. Ephesians 3.20. During COVID, there was a small group praying for one of our women in our church because there are people that got COVID. If you don't think COVID's real, here's a story that COVID is real. There was a woman who was, the doctor was holding her off to go to the emergency room. He basically wanted her to get to that near-death moment. She was a woman who's an immigrant. She's from Africa. She has no family here. She has no one but herself and this group of women from the plant. And they were praying for a miracle. So I found out she was sick, and, and I called her, and I said, hey, your group has been praying for you. Let's pray now. Over the phone, we prayed. I kid you not, by the next day, she was healed. Her doctors were surprised. They were, she was healed. She kept saying, Pastor Rob, I'm better. People prayed and God showed up. People prayed and God showed up. Yes, during COVID, over a phone, and when women were praying over Zoom, God healed this woman. We have to believe, church, that the church is the same church that we read about in the book of Acts. Or being a Christian is really boring. Amen. And lastly, the power of the Holy Spirit, the dunamis of God, comes through our inheritance because we are sons and daughters of God. We do not beg God for his power. We do not beg God for his presence. It is given to us the moment we declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of the glory of God. Jesus says, you're going to do everything I did because you're my son or daughter. Jesus said, you're going to live excellent because you are my son or daughter and you, you act like the father. Jesus says, you can show up and have confidence in a world gone wrong that's filled with fear because you are a son or daughter of God. Everything begins with inheritance. Everything flows out of inheritance because of who we are. This morning in my devotions, but before I came here, I was reading in Acts. I just want to open to this real quick. It says this in Acts chapter 8, when the, the apostles in Jerusalem heard that people in Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, this is a very interesting passage. What I believe is that no one taught them about the Holy Spirit. No one declared the Holy Spirit. They said, hey, believe in Jesus and you get to go to heaven, right? The free ticket, right? The golden ticket, right? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. We all want our golden ticket. But we as the church, Father, Son, and it's not the Holy Who, it's the Holy Spirit that is given to us because it is inherited to us because we are sons and daughters of God. 
So let's go back to my favorite tool, the snowblower. The snowblower. Just as gasoline is to a snowblower, so is the Holy Spirit to the life of a Christian. I have my snowblower ready to go. It's ready to go today. How do I know that? Because my garage door outside opener is broken, so I had to click it to run out of my garage today, and I had to dodge the snowblower because it's right in the place of line of running out. And so in that, it's ready to go. There is a full tank. I can start it, and it will be revving, ready to go. But you know what that snowblower is screaming to me? Come on, Rob, get behind me. Because if it sits there and it's turned on, it ain't clearing my driveway. They have not come up with that kind of snowblower yet. But I, I have to stand behind it. I need to partner with that snowblower and its power to pull the handles up and follow it where it needs to go. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. And he is screaming at the church, come on, partner with us. Partner with me. Partner with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father. Partner with me. Get behind us. And let's go make Jesus present. That snowblower is no good even when it has gasoline in it until I say, yes, I will surrender to your power. And that's how it is with the Holy Spirit. Are you a child of God? Say amen. Amen. Then the Holy Spirit lives in you. The bigger question is, have you partnered with the Holy Spirit to live in the fullness and the victory and the inheritance that you have as children of God? That's the question the church needs to ask. I'm going to invite the band to come up behind me. And so here's what I want to invite us to do. I want to invite you to stand. Invite you to stand. This week, we are centered on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So we pray. The primary work of God's people is prayer. God calls us to pray. We come to the Father. Two, last week, Pastor Jeremy talked about repentance. We have to confess, God, I have done this in my own strength. Anyone there? Anyone agree with me? We have done this too far in our own strength, and we we have to confess, God, we have done this in our own strength. And then lastly, we need to invite the presence of the living God, the dunamis of God, to fill our hearts, to fill our minds. We need to declare that we have an inheritance from heaven. Not a a calling like the Old Testament where where the Holy Spirit would fall on certain people for a particular purpose, for a particular task at a particular time. No, we have an inheritance that now the Holy Spirit lives in us because of the work of Christ. That when we go to sleep, the Holy Spirit lives in us. When we wake up, the Holy Spirit lives in us. When we parent in our marriages, in our relationships, in our vocations, in our communities, in our part of our country, in our world, the Holy Spirit 
indwells in us so we would be the presence of God. And I believe that when we declare that, that is when the fire of revival will come. People of God, New Jersey needs revival. Have you seen what's been going on? People of God, West Milford needs the Spirit of God. Mawa needs the Spirit of God. Ringwood needs the Spirit of God. Oakland needs the Spirit of God. Warwick needs the Spirit of God. I think Warwick really needs the Spirit of God. Did I get an amen for that? Right? There are certain places that really need the Spirit of God. So today, I want you to say, Father, I confess. I've done it in my own strength. Help me live in my inheritance. And if you've never invited the Holy Spirit, or if you've never declared the Holy Spirit, invite and declare the Holy Spirit to live in you and through you so you can live by Him. Amen. Let's go to worship. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.